Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. kick for some new music right now man or are you still camping out and chatting with the old school stuff dude i'm always open to to newer stuff um i work with um i work with some younger people so i'm always like what you got show me something (laughs) show show me something and then we just we'll sit we'll sit in the office and you know look stuff up and play stuff and this one girl um she wanted to listen to that new SZA album. And um, so we listened to that. It's pretty good. I'm like, she's like, oh no, this song. I go, no, I go, no. I go, we listen to whole albums here. Whole, the whole album. We take in the whole body of work. She was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like this person put out a whole album. And like a- after we got done listening to it. She was like, man, there's like a bunch of good jams on there. Like, yeah, not just the one that you heard on the radio, you know? So that she introduced me to SZA and then I introduced her to the RZA and the Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan. So we had a nice little, we had a nice little exchange there. Nice generational exchange. I'm sorry for laughing earlier, man, when you started to share. I I couldn't contain myself because you use the phrase, I work with young people. I work with some young people. And I was <laughs> like, dude, that's the most middle-aged thing I've ever heard you say. Like well, the cat very... is out of the bag, bro. To all of our listeners, <laughs> they Tony are very much. has entered <laughs> the middle-aged world. <laughs> These young people. <laughs> I work with the youths. Oh, dude, that's amazing. That's amazing. I work with these Utes. These Utes. Yeah, no, dude, they got they got whole they got whole lexicons of words and phrases and and things that don't make sense to me. And then when I use my phraseology and bust out my middle age lexicon, they're like, "What? Like that's but, you're old." Yeah, I so. will say though, in our defense, I mean, you're talking about. Right, growing up with '90s hip hop, I mean that's like the whole scene, man. So I would say the you know the lingo that's presented within that is, I feel like it's it should be set set to the side as timeless, man. Like we can't be putting some some dates on this and start calling people old for using this this phraseology now. What's funny is like I'll play I'll play some of my stuff and they're like this all sounds the same and I'm like. Cause that's like uh, my knock on, on some of the new stuff. Oh yeah, yep. Is it kind of all sounds the same? So it's interesting, you know, yeah. that both sides kind of you don't really take the time to really sit with it. It's just like a from a distance interaction. There you go. There you go. <clears throat> but um, as you know, I think I've talked about this before. I don't know what happened around when COVID hit, 
but I used to be a pretty avid um, media consumer, TV shows. I used to be, used to be in the know, used to be in the know, used to be able to hang uh, with the TV shows and all that. But I just took like a two year hiatus from like everything, not on purpose. It wasn't this like, I'm fasting from Netflix. <laughs> It's like, well, Tony, you can't eat Netflix, so the you have to use a different word than fasting. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, nothing <laughs> religious like that. I just, I don't know. I just kind of got my interest kind of went in other places, and you know, a lot of work going on and various things. That was right around the time where we were rebranding, um, and yeah. so I always liked Ozark, and and. They had the first three seasons came out, big gap, and then season four came out. Well, I'm just getting around now to watching season four, like a year and a half later, whatever it is. And um, it's fantastic. A lot of episodes in the last season, which are great. So I think I'm like on episode 10 or 11 or something like that. Mm. But there's, um, I mean, they're bringing this whole story down to, you know, they're bringing it to an end and doing a lot of cool stuff with the characters. It's a nice um, therapeutic season, you know, a lot of closure with some of that, but there was a scene that I thought would be uh, pertinent for this conversation. There was a scene where Marty is in a sense, kind of functioning in a place of Navarro as he's kind of leading the cartel in his absence. And there's a priest there and he's been Navarro's priest forever. So he's been around seeing everything and he's definitely a player, you know? Yeah. So they start to have this exchange about God, like at night after a real tough day for Marty, they start to have this exchange and he starts asking Marty, like, you know, about the love of God. And if, if he thinks if, the priest asked Marty if he thinks that God loves him. And he's just like, yeah, I, you know, like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. You know, he's, he hasn't thought about this probably in a really, really long time. And they get into a little bit of a exchange and the priest mentions love without condition. And Marty starts really balking at that. And he goes, ah, he goes, you, you think you're not worthy. You think that this thing is transactional. You think love without condition doesn't exist. And Marty just looks back at the priest and he goes, I just don't think it's smart, mm. which is a very Marty thing to say. Yes. <laughs> and I just kind of had this little like worship moment, you know, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> it's not smart. Yep. It's not smart. Um, and that is the mystery of what we're talking about here. Um, a God who has given everything in his son and simply invited us to come and trust the outrageous, um, the outrageous idea that it is finished and nothing is needed for you yeah. to come and be at my table. Except dumb, simple trust. Yep. Yep. 
and even today, man, like, you know, um, you know, picking, picking up in the book of John, which is a journey we've been walking through. If you're new to the podcast, uh, feel free to back up and listen to past episodes, but we've been really just taking a hard look at Jesus, what he, what he really said, what he really did, all the stories that surround that through this, through this gospel of John. And today, right, we're looking at some verses that are in chapter 13. And I feel like they completely tie into what you're talking about because you have two people, man, within that chapter, right? You've got Judas that, you know, we all know about. And of course, the other most popular disciple, right, goes on to become an apostle that we always talk about, Peter. And I would say watching both of their stories up to this point and even in this chapter you have two people who would align with marty berg from ozark <laughs> season four mm -hmm. it's like on one hand they're grabbing on to this story of unconditional love okay it's not a god who will love us if it's 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 looking to jesus and starting to get an understanding of the god that he's actually come to reveal Okay, revealing who he really is and finding, oh, no, no, he's all he already loves. He loves unconditionally. It's just who he is. He loves his creation. It's it, to me, it's I don't have any way to fully grasp it, but I can go, well, that's how I am with my, with my children. Right. There's this this unconditional love that's just there mm -hmm. from before they even came into existence. Right. Walking around in my midst right and it's unconditional but you know I, I guess what i'm ultimately saying here is i think both of these guys would at this point in their story would say yeah this unconditional love thing like you single-handedly reconciling the world it's not smart it's not smart well no i mean <laughs> peter is famous got to be a better um, plan yeah, Peter is, is is famous in Matthew 18 when, you know, I don't think we, I don't think John gets into it, but Jesus is talking about going to Jerusalem and being handed over to, you know, the religious leaders and, you know, ultimately dying. And Jesus says, God forbid it. Like you're not, you're not going to the cross. You shall not go to the cross, is basically what he's saying. And then here we have him in chapter 13 of John he goes, You shall not wash my feet. <laughs> you shall not go to the cross and you shall not wash uh my feet and uh um, i love that he calls him lord while he says those things yeah <laughs> right which just just do a sidebar man like how many times right do we say lord lord when we talk to him when we talk about him right the lord mm -hmm. and in the same breath yeah god forbid you do this thing the way that you're going to do it which is opposite of the way i think you should do it yeah right lord yep. you can't you can't do this you can't mm -hmm. wash my feet you can't wash our feet right and it's like this wait a second it, he's lord but yet you're determining his ways yeah i think peter represents for all of us those who have been around it for a long time and still think they know how it goes yeah that's a good word um, and I know both of us have shared our journeys and our stories of both being pastors. Um, dude, I've, I've, I've preached this passage before. 
Mm-hmm. I would shudder to think what my notes were on this, on this thing. Um, but just for the sake of context, just to let everybody know, we're entering into a real concentrated conversation that yeah. Jesus is having with his disciples right before his passion. In fact, I think, I don't know what it goes to. I think it goes to like 18, 13 to 18. Um, yeah. It's all like the Eve, man, right? This is Thursday. This before, is it. Mm-hmm. Or doomsday, man, right? His, yeah, his passion is right around the corner. It's all, it's all about to go down. In fact, in chapter 13, Judas kind of leaves and goes and cuts his deal um, with, the, you know, with the Roman government. Um, and the, um, the religious leaders, it's all coming to a head, all the planning, all the plotting, you know, the murder of Jesus, but it's a very concentrated conversation he's having. And this kicks it off. Chapter 13 really kicks it off. And this is the, the chapter where Jesus washes the disciples feet. So even if you have kind of casually attended church or, um, you know, if you sat through sermons or Bible studies, you'll be, you're familiar with this, this passage because yeah. of, because of that. Um, so I think we all kind of know that Jesus washed the disciples feet, but I don't think they really know kind of, maybe you, maybe you haven't seen the detail of the juxtaposition between Peter and Judas. Um, cause Judas is like, the poster child for betrayal and unbelief in a guy who was around and really effed it up and didn't get it kind of a yeah. thing. But there's another person in the chapter two and it's Peter and Peter represents, like I said, I think a person who has been around it has been close to it and still thinks how it ought to go. Yeah. He has a religious posture about him. He has religious sensibilities and he's acting in in good faith, a very noble heart, mm-hmm. right? A very a very good and noble perspective he has. Because um, they're in the middle of a dinner. It's an important dinner. It's the Passover dinner in the other gospels. Um, Jesus raises bread and cup from this Passover meal and says, this is about me where we get our tradition of, of communion, take, eat, drink, remember, right? Yep. This is about me, which all goes back to, you know, Egypt and, you know, God, you know, bringing, you know, his people, the Jewish people out of slavery there. <clears throat> and that whole thing was just, you know, Jesus is the ultimate, you know, Passover. He's about to set us free. Um, And so he gets up in the middle of this meal takes off his outer garments and puts a towel around his waist. And he starts going around and washing everybody's feet, which by the way, sidebar, do you ever do a foot washing ceremony? Do you ever do that? Like as like a part of, I know that was kind uh, of popular for a while. Like, Hey man, like I'm about to do this. I'm about to set this example as the pastor. I'm about to bring my elders up here, wash their feet in front of all you fools while you sit here. Watch me yeah. do this. I didn't, Come on, dude, um, admit it. I know you've done it. I, I have. I, have. I, I, I didn't. Oh, dude. Yeah. We, you, uh, dodged the bull- you dodged the bullet on that yeah, one. There was one time where our our team was like, this could be a really good thing. I wasn't really down with it, 
but that's just because it's weird to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, I think it was a week where I just opted to um, abdicate the stage and instead just operate as a greeter facilitator for the for the gathering. <laughs> well, it's um, like such an antiquated thing, you know. I mean, yeah. we all have socks and paved roads, and you know, all of our shoes are enclosed. You know, it's not really a lot of open toe, you know, going on unless we have to. So it's such yeah. a antiquated thing that your feet need to get washed. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's one of those things that we grab onto not with a full understanding of it and then try to practice it today in a way that kind of misses the, misses the ultimate point that Jesus is making. But yeah. But anyway, just, just the, the context here is re- Jesus washing their feet kind of sets the stage and pushes the conversation that's happening in John 13. Yeah, that is the act that kind of, you know, is mm-hmm. the context and really kind of forces a lot of the, lot of what's happening here. Yeah, I think uh, once again you have a group of people who have been with Jesus for a long time now, right? You have some scholars that vary three to three and a half years, and they've been learning from him. They've been hearing everything that he's saying, seeing everything that he's doing. He's already made it known multiple times that he came to give his life as a ransom, as the scriptures say. I came to set the captives free. My mission is to die. Okay, there's something in and through the crucifixion that's going to be done that cannot be done apart from it. And they still don't get it. As you were saying, like you can be so familiar with something and so close to it, but yet still not even really seeing it. Yeah. And I think this is just one more instance where you know, Jesus, even the whole understanding where we get communion, the Lord's Supper, right? This practice from that's going down. This is a meal, right? This is a, an, an intimate setting. This is a meal with friends. This is the eve, you know what I mean, before the crucifixion, right? Of Christ. And I feel like you were saying earlier, like this, this connection between these two guys, I totally see it because one thing that we've definitely learned from Judas is he's Marty Berg, man. Like this, we need to be smart. We need to be calculated. We need to plan. There are things that we could be speeding the process up here. The Messiah has come to overthrow the powers that are in place mm-hmm. and put us back into a position of power over everything. Yeah. And so again, not seeing, no, he came to serve, you know, like something he's doing right now. He came, he, he came to lay down his life. Doesn't see it. There's a lot of scholars, man, that actually believe that Judas in his whole setup and betrayal of Jesus, okay, for the exchange of money was nothing other than a means of speeding up the process to push Jesus into a place of doing the miracles that he could do that would truly push out Rome hmm. and the religious leaders. So I'm not saying that there's not a betrayal to Jesus. There is, but I'm saying sure. you can almost like, this is a guy, right? Who's fighting with Mary. Like, I can't believe this perfume, you know, was just spilled out. Well, you know, what could we have done with this money? Right. Again, this unconditional extravagant, outrageous grace, love. It's not smart. Yes. So he doesn't see it. And then the same thing, I think you see even with Peter is pushback when Jesus as he starts to right. He gets up from the table and takes the place of a servant and begins to wash their feet. Peter's like, you know, what? Uh-uh. You know what I mean? Again, doesn't compute with this entire understanding, this concept they have, this perception. This isn't the have. way this is supposed to go. Right. Of the Messiah, of what he's doing, of where we're moving this thing. 
And again, these are the people who are closest to him, man. And so it's, uh, for me, there's an invitation in it to, to actually sit back and go, yeah, maybe, maybe we too miss <laughs> the deeper mystery of what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Cause it's so, it's so easy to start to think of this as something to apply. Right. Yeah. Instead of one just of the, something to receive. One of the things that I constantly find myself coming to in a lot of my conversations, um, you know, with people and with friends as we kind of touch on um, just the, the topic of God, of Jesus, of life, you know, whatever. Um, and it's mostly from the church crowd is I think there's this understanding that like there's good and then there's like evil. And anything kind of like over in the good side, it's just kind of like just goes unchecked. It just kind of gets like accepted. It's like, oh, yeah, it's good. It's church. It's small groups. It's Bible study. It's community. It's all these, you know, things over here. And I think one of the things that we miss in in the conversation of Jesus is how much our goodness is critiqued. Because Peter's yeah. Peter's sentiments here, his posturing is the kind of attitude that kind of like, no, this isn't going to be like, we're going to serve you. I'm going to wash your feet. We're going to honor the Lord. We're yeah. going to do what's right. We're like, yeah. that's for me and my household. We will serve the Lord. Yeah. Right. Dude, that's the kind of, that's the kind of posturing that gets you on elder teams. Oh yeah. That's the kind of, that's the kind of posture that'll, that'll shoot you up the ladder, you know, in a religious community. That's the kind of posture that if you teach it and give people practical insights and tools for how to achieve it, will make you a lot of money in the podcasting <laughs> world, in the ministry world, in the book writing world. That too. I'm just, I'm being serious, man. Like no, if you I know. look at anything that's, that has that type of like gravitational pull and right. And, and magnetism to it and popularity to it. You'll always find the right handed plausibility that we, that we long for. Mm -hmm. not the left-handed mystery and of course you know jesus like well if i don't you know wash you, you can have no part of me oh well in that case it's not just my feet wash all of me right wash now. all of me <laughs> that's yeah, and again, like, and again we like to make we like to uh we like to make fun of peter yep but we'll quickly we'll quickly take and it's it's not like good news doesn't exist in churches. What I found to be the most dangerous thing is where good news happens and then we quickly just rush into activity instead of sitting with its goodness to just marvel at it mm -hmm. and watch our hearts just like swell up, you know, with it yep. and just watch what like the spirit will do, you know, with that, with that news, we quickly want to move on into the now what the so that's and so i've seen people act like peter all the time oh hey oh. like the lord's come to serve you oh for the son of man did not come to be served but came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many mark 10 45 awesome cool hey and if you're serious about this the commons is filled with tables for you to really start pressing into this and really start to clean oh. your whole body and we just rush right into, 
either to say we just rush right into the sentiment and the posturing of Peter in trying to clean, you know, our whole body. And we quickly just kind of, we get away from the awkward, the awkward mystery of a God yeah. who serves us right where we are, even in our inactivity, even in our ignorance, even in yeah. our inability to grasp what's happening. Cause Jesus even says in this passage, what I'm doing, you don't understand right now. Yeah. You don't get it. One day you will. Soon you will. Yeah. And your blindness, not seeing it, not understanding it, therefore not applying it. Okay. Not perfecting it, not multiplying it. You know what I'm saying? If you want to throw it into that camp, like in the, in, in this world of missing all of it, he's still serving you because this is who he is. Mm-hmm. He's showing us a picture of who God is, what God is like. And I think our natural knee-jerk reaction is always like, yeah, okay, cool. And then we lay out some plans for how to become Christ-like. And all the while, you're actually missing what Christ is like. Yep. Think about that, dude. You'll, you could spend your life in programs and practices to become Christ-like. And all the while, all of it, never seen what Christ is actually like. And I think that's what you see here. Peter, again, I'll go back to Peter's posturing of wanting to not be on the receiving end of foot washing and to Mm -hmm. serve the Lord. That, that has a nice uh, guise and a layer of faithfulness. Yeah. And it gets a pass. And it gets celebrated and it gets pointed to and talked about as, as faithfulness. Yeah. And well, it's, it's smart in the words of Marty Berg. So it sells. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so one of my favorite exchanges is in verse eight, where it's like this whole thing where he's just like, um, he finally comes to, to Peter verse six uh, to wash his feet. And Peter says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. You shall never go to the cross. God forbid it. That's not mm. going to happen. Um, in verse eight, then he, Jesus answered him and says this, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Yeah. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. It, share what are the- this idea of. Right, this idea of fellowship, this idea of of communing, like, relationship, like, yeah, like union, union, like this uh, God who's like, yeah, I'm one with the Father, and I'm about to make you one with me, mm-hmm. and then together we'll be one with the Father in this fellowship, this communion, this very union that you were created mm-hmm. in and for. And I must do this for you. This is something I'm bringing you into. And we think, and like you brought it up earlier, I thought it was a great word. We think faithfulness is somehow repaying this, modeling this, earning this for some camps. And then of course there's a camp that's like, no, 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 we're not earning. We're just showing our gratitude, you know? But it's like, ah, what you're holding up is faithfulness. And I've done it for years and I still get there just to be clear. It, it appears as something that's, in line with what Jesus says, but further looking, it's like, no, it's 
what I've found in my own journey is unfaithfulness, faithlessness. Faithlessness is what was what this really was. It was an anxious need to achieve fill in the blank instead of a restful appreciation for what I received. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. Yep. One was faith. The other was unfaith. And yep. dude, this is something we skip through, man, is like, you know, so Peter's response, right? Is like, well, Lord, if this is the case, you know, wash my hands, wash my head, like wash all of me. And then I love this because, again, it's, I think we skip over it, and I think it ties into what we're talking about. Jesus then says to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, right? For he knew the one who would betray him, you know what I'm saying, who was sitting there. And, of course, the passage goes on to say this is why he said not all of you are clean. The rest of these guys haven't, there's no washing that's gone on yet. Even Peter's feet haven't been washed yet. Peter's, right? He's in this posture with his hands up going, whoa, 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 whoa. And Jesus is saying to them, for you are already clean. I mean, you want to talk about a paradox. You know what I mean? You want to talk about the mystery of, of a God who chose to save the world before the foundations of the world. You want to talk about the parables we talked about where, Yes, we already are accepted. What's in front of us is the accepting of our acceptance. And then the refusal of that, you know what I mean? You therefore remove yourself from being cleaned in this, as Judas, right, goes on to do. He refuses the acceptance. And I just think, like, man, how easy it is to skip over that thinking, like, oh, okay, so then we do this, and then he does this. And it's like, no, he, he's literally saying this is already done. This is therefore a sacrament. This is a this is a sign. This is a symbol of something. Mm -hmm. This is I'm not washing your feet, Peter, and then all of a sudden you're going to be prepared for like the road ahead of you because it's going to be rough over the next three days. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I've found that application through various scholars. Like that's kind of what's going on here. You know, you'll sometimes you'll hear this teaching and then you'll hear a lot about. You know, Peter's response is a great reminder that it's okay if we're not as far along in the growth plan as we think we should be. The growth you know? plan. It's it's up and to the right, but it's not quite the way it should be. But that's okay, because look where Peter's at in his journey right here. And I'm like, no, I, I think we have a God who's revealing, he's reconciling what's already reconciled. He's making us the righteousness of God. It's a one-way act of love. This is something we receive, not something we achieve. Right. And so the whole like, you know, God did this for me. So, man, I'm just going to like give my entire life, you know, to him and that that Peter, that Peter yeah. posture. Which I'm like, pass. Hey. it gets a pass in a lot of communities because people like that, they volunteer a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good people point. like that volunteer a lot. They do a lot. They show up to a lot. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to be clear for our listeners, we're not saying don't <laughs> like, no, don't love, don't serve, don't give, don't do any of these things. You don't need to do any of it because you've been yes, loved. I'm glad you, know, you, I'm glad you, you said that for sure. Because for some reason, as you, like I've noticed this over the years, whenever you talk about grace and there's like, well, man, well, like, what about the law? And I'm like, well, we're not removing the law. That's just saying that grace is God's declaration that we're accepted in light of all that's demanded because we've never met it and we never will. Yeah. He's not removing this. 
And I think it's the same thing with serving. I'm just trying to draw like a comparison here. I think we've definitely been invited to let go and join in whatever the Lord is doing, to go walk in the fruit that he's bearing in us. You feel like giving everything you have today, go do it. Mm -hmm. If tomorrow, like you get hit by somebody who's going through something, man, and you just find yourself like, you know what, I'm going to cut out half my schedule to help them for the next month. Amen. It's the thinking that these things are needed to be accepted. It's the planning of them out. It's the programming of them out. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's laying them on the graph chart. It's the measuring where we at, where we're at right now in the process. Like, yeah, these are all opposite of a, of a life of letting go of a life of being lost in Christ. Yeah. Religious uh, maintenance. Yeah. Of a relationship, of a status, yeah. of the label of, of faithfulness rather than beautiful fruit. Mm-hmm beautiful fruit which has its which has its season which has its season yes we're not factories cranking out widgets yeah but you've been around those people where it's just like they're everything they get just got a verse for everything everything there's just they're just the person of faith they got they got the word of faith for everything there's no yeah. chink in the armor they always got like None. the bible verse the posturing all of it and it's like dude I cannot relate to that because it's just not true to life, man. No, no. And if you don't see it, I feel like if you don't see what Jesus is doing here, you all of a sudden start talking about the need to be clean, the need to, and how we get clean and how we stay clean. And you start, you know, you, you start to, to program that thing out, you know, for other people to go walk in. I've heard some pastors recently were talking about Matthew 26 and they're quoting Jesus about the need where, you know, where Jesus is in this scathing up to me, the most scathing um, rebuke of the, of the religious leaders is in Matthew 26. It's where Jesus just takes off the gloves and comes at these guys that have been bending the law. Okay. Bending what the law actually demands to fit within their capacity to meet it right? As Mr. Frazier taught us. Um, that's what they're doing. And they're, they're holding what they've created in place for them to be able to feel like they've measured up. And then they're forcing everyone around them to do the same in the name of faithfulness, in the name of acceptance, union, to live with peace and rest and to experience freedom. This is what you have to do. And Jesus just comes at them. And one of the things he talks about is he looks at them and goes, man, guys, first clean up the inside of the cup. You're so consumed with the outside and what everyone thinks that's on the outside, but it's the inside that's rotten. And I heard some guys the other day were using that passage as no lie. They were using that and mapping that out for people and how to clean the inside of the cup. And doing under the name of thus Jesus says. And I'm like, bro, this is not moral theology going on in Matthew 26 any more than there's moral theology going on in Matthew 5 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. This is, once again, a crisis of capacity trying to help religious people see that it's him who serves us. It's him who saves us. Mm -hmm. It's him who reconciles us. It's him who's holding us with a love that will never let go. It's yeah. about his faithfulness, not our faithfulness. Our right. faithfulness is faith in him who's faithful to hold us. Mm -hmm. 
And if you confuse this, then you all of a sudden, you're now in Peter's shoes. Oh, you can't wash me. Uh -uh. And then if, and then if you finally relent, it's all sweet. Then wash all of me then, you know, it's like, dude, no, no. Throw your growth plan and all the metrics you have for it, throw it out the window. If the, if the parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector teaches us anything, he's not a God who's not only not welcoming resumes, he doesn't want your resume. Mm -hmm. He wants you. Yeah. Just to sit in a Just simple moment yeah. of feet washing. Yes. And then the in the melee of everything going on with these guys, they hear the threats. You know, they're they're running with him. They all got their personal reasons that they're involved. Talking about, you know, sending their mom to him. Can I be on your left? Can I be on your right? Where am I at in this thing? What's my position in this thing? Right? Everyone's yep. trying to like make a play. Everyone thinks they know what the Messiah is. No, just stop. Just stop. Just like us. Yeah. We think we got God pegged. We think we got life figured out. We think we kind of know. Just know. Just stop and pause and let me wash these nasty, dirty dogs <laughs> in this basin <laughs> with this rag so yes. that you can know that this whole thing is just about one simple reality. Yeah. I love you. I love you. And I'm here to serve you because I care for you. Not because of anything good or bad that you've done. Dude, yep. Jesus washed Judas's feet just like he washed John's feet. Yeah. And, yep. you know, I love John's intro to chapter 13. And maybe we can close with this and, and pick up the conversation in um, the next podcast. But. He, he says this, he goes, you know, it was the time of the Passover. Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of the world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Mm. He loved us to the end. And this, this, this feet washing moment, this moment of teaching them when everyone's got their ideas going on and everyone's got their plotting and their planning and all that. Just the simple reality right under their nose. I serve you. Yep. And the only one way to have share in this is to humbly just receive. Yes. Yep. This, this serving, this yep. love, receive this love. And I would say if your brain immediately jumps to the, well, then what about us? Like, where do we serve? How do we serve? Aren't we supposed to serve? Yeah, I would they, invite they you do. to go back just stop. to that. Just stop. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to that. It's like in Matthew 25, you know, somebody challenged me on what we're talking about right now in a conversation last week. And they're like, dude, sounds all good and all. But at the end of the day, Matthew 25 is pretty plain, man. We clothed him when he was naked. We fed him when he was hungry. We gave him shelter when he was homeless. I said, yeah, man. And how did Jesus end that story when those guys? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, didn't they look back at Jesus and say, when, when, when did we do any of this? And dude, he just literally looked at me like stone cold faced. And you could tell it's one of those aha moments, like what I had in 2013, where I'd like, like my whole world just came crumbling down. I'm like, 
wait a minute. Yeah. They had no idea they were doing any of that. It was a work of someone else in and through them that they got to joyfully participate in. Mm -hmm. And so, amen, when that rises up in you, run in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But don't confuse that. You know what I'm saying? Don't drag that into this. If that's where your heart jumps to, that's where your mind jumps to is the, is the now I got to go do. Go back and sit in this would be my invitation. Yeah. And I think there's something beautiful in getting lost in him who serves. That we get these awesome moments, right? To serve. Amen. Change this conversation. So there's a lot more, man, we could say, but let's hold there until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.